1: A great word, so I'm going to dive right into it. Come with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at a very short verse, and it's all we're going to be focusing on. I'll, I'll bounce around to a couple different spots, but I want you guys to really focus on Luke chapter 19. The title of this message is, I think, Seek and Save. Yes, it's been a long week. I was, um, there's a friend of mine was in town from from Texas, and um, we were hanging out a few nights ago. And their church is different than ours. Not bad. It's a great church. Um, Kate, yeah. Katie and I went to that church for a long time, um, but different. And we live in different parts of the country. And we just had a pretty healthy, spirited debate um, about the way church should be done. And and they had he had some very different opinions um, to the way that we do things. And I had some opinions to the way that they do things. And again, it was very amicable and healthy. And it was awesome. And just kind of talked through some things. And um, it really made me um, think hard about the way that we do church. And one of the things that was brought up is, you know, how politically outspoken we are. And um, again, I mean, the reason we have been asked to not have our conference at Town and Country is because of the high profile nature of some of the guests that we've invited and all that that entails. And so we definitely at Awaken Church don't shy away from controversy. Can I get an amen? Yep. Okay. If you haven't been here very long, just wait. You'll get it. And so the, the thinking of my friend was, why why would you be so so controversial? Won't that repel away people that that, you know, maybe are 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 seeking God out and, and, and are fragile and maybe don't have the same understanding, the same revelation, but shouldn't we maybe tamp down some of the some of the vocabulary and some of the And the big sort of the big crutch that was was used was this verse that we're gonna look at. Luke chapter nineteen verse ten. And this guy was saying like Jesus is so clear with what his message is, and it's in Luke nineteen verse ten, which says the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that was kind of, again, in in my friend's argument, this is the trump card that says if it's not that, then we got to stay away from it. If it's not seeking and saving the lost, it's a little reductionistic because Jesus said, I have come to do a lot of things. and I literally just and I literally screenshotted it and it's in my notes. If you type in Jesus came to on Google, there's like 19 different things. Came to fulfill the law, he came to bring a sword, he came to bring division, he came to heal the sick, he came to set the captives free, he came to seek and save. Like Jesus said, I have come to do a lot of things, not just to seek and to save that which was lost. But even if we look at just that argument and take away everything else and just look at Luke, chapter 19 verse 10 which we're going to do we'll see that we arrive at the same conclusion so we're going to look very closely at this one more time put the verse up on the screen for the son of man and, and let me give some context here keep the verse up there this is what jesus says right after his interaction with a man named zacchaeus everybody know the story of zacchaeus there's some weird song from like bible study sunday mornings about wee little man or something i don't know i whatever he was short, Zacchaeus, the Bible tells us, he was a short guy, he was a tax collector, and so he hears this guy Jesus is coming by, but he can't, he can't see over all the tall people. So he's so desperate to just get a look at this man that he climbs a tree, and Jesus is walking by, sees him, and says, hey, I want to have dinner at your house tonight. Then the Bible says, and Zacchaeus well, or accepted him gladly. And then had Jesus into his home and says, hey, everybody that I've ripped off, I'm going to give all their money back. Anybody that I've double-crossed, I'm going to give them back fourfold, blah, blah, blah. Then Jesus says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the context of the story, right after his interaction with Zacchaeus. To seek and to save that which was lost. So there's three big parts of this verse. Seek, save, lost. And we're gonna look at each one of those and what the implications are. We're actually gonna kinda go out of order a little bit and start with lost. What does Jesus mean when he says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost? Well, I get lost all the time. Wow. Okay. That was my wife saying that's true. But I will, I have to give it to her. I could see being very frustrated if I was you at me because she'll point where to turn. I need to change lanes and I'll just, I got it, but then I miss a turn. And so now she just kind of has to sit there while I miss a turn and just kind of hold it all in. And then I'll be like, oh shoot, I missed a turn. She's like, yeah, I know. Listen, I've lived on Coronado now for over a year, and I still get lost. And it's literally the easiest place on earth to navigate. The entire island is just a big square grid of A, B, C, D, E, F, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, all. And I still get lost. I get lost all the time. It's just part of it. Listen, I, in, my, in my defense, it's because I'm too busy thinking. I don't have time to concern myself with these menial tasks like keeping track of where I am while driving. I'm busy. I got things to do. I probably, I don't know, probably add 25% in my lifetime of just missing turns of my driving time. It probably takes me 25% longer over the course of my entire life to get somewhere than the normal person because of just missed turns. I get lost all the time. But is that what Jesus means? He's like, I came to seek and to save everybody that's taken a wrong turn. Everybody who doesn't know where they are. That's not at all what he's saying. And actually the word, the Greek word for lost, is a word Apollalos. And it means something way more heavy, way more intense. And even the beautiful song Amazing Grace is a little... It softens things. It says, I once was lost and now I'm found, as if I had taken a wrong turn and I stopped for directions at the gas station and Jesus was the gas station attendant and said, No, no, no. You gotta take you gotta take I five up up north and then you'll that's kind of the implication, but that's not what what it means. The word lost in the Greek apolalos means to be on a collision path with destruction. It means to be perishing with death being certain. It's a little different than just took a wrong turn. Was it 5th Street or 6th Street? I can't remember, right? And I'm going to give you a couple of other biblical examples of where that exact same word was used. One of them is in Matthew 12, and this is where Jesus um, heals somebody on the Sabbath. You guys know the story. The Pharisees are waiting to trap him to see if he'll... I mean, how crazy do you have to be to be mad at somebody for healing. This guy had a a withered hand and Jesus is going to heal him. And the Pharisees are like, you better not heal him. It's the Sabbath day. How crazy is that? How backwards? And so Jesus being Jesus is like, oh yeah, watch this. Stretch out your hand, bro. And the guy's like, "Whoa!" And then the Bible says that the Pharisees plotted how they could apololos him, how they could destroy him. So that word lost, that's translated lost, is the same word that was used when the Pharisees plotted to destroy him. Another one is in Mark chapter four, the disciples are in a boat and they're sailing across the Sea of Galilee. Huge storm rises up, wind and the waves, it's crazy. And they're terrified. They think they're gonna die because this storm is wild. And this this is why I love Jesus. I know he was a man of boats and I'm a sailor. And so this like really spoke to me. Because Jesus was asleep, the Bible says very clearly he was asleep in the stern. Which means Jesus knew boats. Because you don't sleep in the bow of the boat, because the bow goes He was asleep in the stern. So Jesus knew what was up. Jesus was a sailor. The Bible says he was asleep in the stern, and the disciples come to him and they wake him and say, Do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are Apa sing? perishing. It wasn't like they were like, Lord, do you not care that we took a wrong turn? Do you not care that we're going north by northwest instead of northwest? Do you not care that we're two degrees off? They said, do you not care that we are dying? Apololos. That's what this word means, to seek and to save those who are lost. So in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are in the garden. They've, they've sinned against God. They've made a decision to go against what God has said to, to break the laws of God. And the Bible says that they're filled with guilt and shame. And then the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that Adam sows fig leaves to cover both him and Eve. And even that is so dense in the implications, I want you to think about it, that Adam sowed fig leaves to cover their shame and their guilt. And it's what all of us do. All of us try to cover our own guilt and shame by our own means. So I went outside, and this is the biggest leaf I could find. Hopefully Adam needed a bigger leaf than this. What, Pastor Stacy? Don't look at me like that. And I sent this leaf on a collision course with its own demise. This leaf has been disconnected from the life source. And listen, it looks really green right now. It looks great. And if I were to go hold it back up to the tree, you wouldn't think anything different. You'd think this this leaf is in great shape. But this leaf is dying. It's right now because it has been disconnected from its life source. Even the covering that Adam and Eve made for themselves was insufficient. What do you think is gonna happen in three, four weeks? It's gonna turn to dust, then you have no more covering. It's insufficient, it doesn't work, it will wear out. And listen, we all do that or have done that. We try to cover our own guilt, our own shame with whatever fig leaf suits you. Maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's sex, maybe it's something way less scandalous than that and it's just success, affirmation, popularity. Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your husband, your wife. It's a fig leaf, it's you trying to cover yourself. But it's insufficient, it will not work. And listen to how crazy this is. This is in the book of Genesis written in 1500 BC by Moses from a divine revelation of the Holy Spirit about the origins of man. And the story, 1500 years BC, so before Jesus was born at all, the story is man will try to produce a covering for himself, it will be insufficient, and what does God do in Genesis chapter three? It's subtle, but the Bible says that God killed an animal and gave them animal skins as a suitable covering. And so God looked at man attempting to cover himself with his own coverings that aren't going to work, that are decaying, that are dying, and he kills something to provide an everlasting covering. Does that sound like anything maybe to you? Even that was prophesying about the future of Jesus, that Jesus would die and be an everlasting covering for us, to cover our guilt, our shame. That's the story. When Jesus says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost, that's what he's talking about, lost. Point number two, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So he came to seek and to save. Now, there's a, a term that's used to describe a lot of churches, and, and you may say seeker-friendly, seeker-sensitive, and that sounds like a really great thing. You said Jesus came to seek and to save, and so being seeker-sensitive, seeker-friendly sounds like a pretty good idea, seek and seek, I mean, it makes sense. But think about it. The idea behind a seeker-sensitive church, a seeker-friendly church is we need to structure church in a way that is conducive for people who are seeking God. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. It's not about people who are seeking, Jesus does the seeking. Jesus is the one doing the seeking, not you, not me. Listen to me very closely. If you're in here and maybe you're not walking with God or, or know that God's calling you deeper, maybe someone invited you to this church or maybe just of your own volition, you and your spouse are like, hey, you know, let's, let's go check out this awakened church. I don't know what your story is. I'm just telling you, that's not you seeking God. That's God coming after you. God has set up divine appointments in your life. Maybe a friend told you about church. Maybe a friend told you about awakened Church. Maybe you know a family member who comes here and you've seen their life transformed, whatever it is. That's not you like, oh, I'm going to... I'm gonna go and seek after God. No, that's actually God seeking after you. Jesus said, I have come, the son of man has come, to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is on a seeking mission, whether you want him to or not. Jesus gives these three amazing parables in Luke chapter 15 about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And that's the story of the prodigal son. And it's interesting in, in these stories, how they play out, for the, the lost sheep. The Bible says that Jesus says that a, a shepherd had, nine, had 100 sheep, and one of them goes astray. And, then he, and he's telling the story and he says, "Which one of you, as a good shepherd, would not leave the 99?" And then it says, "And go after the one until you find it." Notice that there's no end on that. It Doesn't stop. The shepherd will seek to find that sheep until he finds it, period. Not after 10 years, not after searching for a while, not after the sheep. You know, have you ever had like a dog run away? I was at the river. I, this is not in my notes. So I'm probably gonna get in trouble for this. Dr. Matt's dog, God, that little rascal. I was at Dr. Matt's river house just hanging out, having a good time and his little dog got away. And I'm like, well, I'll go after the dog. This dog, every time I would get close to it, would just And I left barefoot, and so I'm just running on concrete for like, it it must have been two and a half miles. I'm chasing this dog. And every time I get close, I'm like, Mango, don't move. Mango, sit. And Mango's just wagging his tail, like thinking it's a game. And we're on like mile 2.25, and I'm like, my feet hurt, Mango. I'm about to just let you go. I'm about to turn around, okay? And it was like every time I got close, Mango would just, imagine the sheep is like that, and the shepherd's going after And every time the shepherd gets close, the sheep just takes off. doesn't matter. In the story, Jesus says that that shepherd will go after that sheep until he finds it, until he finds it. In the parable of the lost coin, Jesus says that there's a woman that has 10 coins and when she loses one, will she not search carefully until she finds it? Jesus is searching carefully for people and he's going to search until he finds it. It doesn't matter how we Structure and listen, of, of course we, we want to create an environment that God can move, and that 's why we we believe in having excellent worship and we believe in in having excellent teaching and all those great things, but it doesn 't matter it 's not we 're not making an environment that it doesn't Jesus doesn 't say the Son of Man has come to wait in one place until all those who are seeking him find him, which is what a seeker-sensitive idea is that this is the church, we're gonna make it as, as conducive as possible for people who are seeking and then maybe they will find Jesus. No, Jesus says, I came to seek. I'm the one doing the searching. I'm the one who is gonna search carefully until I find them. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. It's an active, relentless pursuit. And lastly, point three, save. And here's the, this one, this is what really got me about this conversation I was having with my friend, because Jesus doesn't just find people. Imagine, this is like a story right out of Lassie. If you don't know who Lassie is, I got about two laughs from the front row. Lassie was a show during like the 1950s and 60s about this border collie that could somehow read minds and, and talk to humans. It was kind of crazy. But anyway, Lassie, it's like a story out of Lassie. Imagine Lassie comes to me. I'm like, Lassie, what is it, girl? I'm like, oh my gosh, Zeke, fell in the well. My son Zeke fell in the well. And I go to find my son Zeke who's fallen in a well somewhere on our farm. Katie's dream to have a farm. That's Katie's dream. It's not my dream. Anyway, (laughs) and I'm running around the farm desperately trying to find my son, and maybe I hear his voice, Daddy, Daddy, and I'm like, where is he? And then I see the well, and I run, and I peek over the edge, and there he is. He's like, Dad, I'm like, Son, I found you. Yes, found him. (laughs) Dad? How awful would that be? If I don't seek him and save him, not really doing a very good thing. God doesn't just find people, he saves them. King David said in Psalm 40, you pull me out of the muck and the mire and you set my feet on a rock. He doesn't just find people where they're at. People out there living their truth. And God just wants to meet you wherever you're at and just be with you, be next to you. How terrible would that be? If you're in the throes of addiction, the throes of despair and anxiety, riddle, how not helpful is it if God just finds you? So, oh, there you are. Let's just hang out here for a while while you're stuck in loneliness and despair. But that's not the message. The message is that the Son of Man came to seek and to save, to pull you out of the miry clay and set your foot on a rock. If the Son of Man, if Jesus just seeks, then so what? It's not helpful. But Jesus came to seek and to save. And that's why we are not a seeker-sensitive church. We're a discipleship church. Jesus said in Matthew 28, it's the Great Commission, he said, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, comma, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. We don't just at this church tell you about Jesus and say, good luck with all that. We partner with you to teach you what it looks like to live a life for the kingdom under allegiance to the kingdom of heaven. God has designed the universe to operate in a certain way. And that way produces human flourishing. And any way that is contrary to that way does not produce human flourishing. Listen, you can take a Prius off-roading. You can. I'm an avid off-roader, I know. When you get to the trailhead, there's no signs that say, for the love of God, if you have a Prius, don't come here. It doesn't say that. You can roll up to the trailhead in your Prius and you can just But guess what? That's not what your Prius was designed for. And you're probably not gonna get where you wanna go, and your Prius is probably gonna break, but you're gonna get really great gas mileage. I'll tell you that much. It's not what it was designed for. If you don't live in accordance with the way you were designed, you're just like that Prius. You can, no one's gonna stop you, but it's not gonna produce God's best for you. I'm gonna give you a silly example and I'm gonna give you a serious example. Does anybody know, anybody have a, a one-upper in their life? You know what a one-upper is? If you don't know, you might be the one-upper. It's whenever somebody tells a story and then, the oh, oh yeah, and then they've got just a little bit better story. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. I just got this big raise at work. I'm so excited. Uh, oh yeah, well, I just got, a, I just got a, a 15% raise. It's even bigger than your raise. Just got a brand new car, I'm so excited about it, it's so shiny, oh yeah, I got two brand new cars. I mean, but cool, good for you. One upper. Now, may not seem like much, may just be annoying and you're just kinda like, I don't like being around that person. But that person is actually not operating in accordance with the design that God has. You see, The Bible says God teaches us that we are to derive our value from Him and Him alone. That we are sons and daughters of the Most High God and that it doesn't matter what people think about us, how they revile us. The Bible even says that the world will hate you for my namesake. But you see, typically, people who are one-uppers is because they're desperate for affirmation from people. And because of an incongruency with the design, the design is you should get your affirmation from me, from God, from the God that made you. Instead of that, they're operating out of alignment with their design and saying, I wanna get my affirmation from people. When people think I'm awesome, then I feel good. And it does not produce human flourishing. People don't like being around one-uppers. So the exact thing that they want the affirmation and the inclusion of others, they actually repel away from them because they're not operating in accordance with the way that God has designed them. If that was a silly one, I'm gonna give you a serious one now. Everybody buckle your seat belts. Human sexuality. It looks like there's some small ears in here so I will be careful. This is from the Planned Parenthood website and I got this from here very intentionally. This is from, this is direct quote, direct quote. This is like an FAQ thing they had on their website. Can you get an STD if you and your partner were both virgins? The answer, from Planned Parenthood, if two people who don't have any STDs come together, it's not possible for either of them to get one. A couple can't create an STD from nothing. Think about that. That's from the Planned Parenthood website, not the Bible, from the Planned Parenthood website. They are saying that if you live in accordance with God's design, which is that sex was designed between one man and one woman in the confines of marriage with no other partners outside of that, then there is no disease, there is no destruction. It's God's design. He's designed it, and listen, I want you to listen to me. I'm in no way is this a condemning message. Listen, well, I got married, Katie was a virgin, I wasn't. I have a laundry list of, of a mess that I left behind me that I brought into our marriage. So there is in no way is this coming from a place of, of judgment. I'm just telling you that even Planned Parenthood recognizes that God's design produces human flourishing. <laughs> That's nuts. God is not trying to limit you. He's not trying to steal things from you to make your life miserable. He's not a cosmic killjoy up there that's trying to to keep you from having fun. You guys seen The Little Mermaid? Nobody, anybody seen The Little Mermaid? Wow, what has happened to this lost generation? I know we're on a Disney boycott, but that was before Disney went bad, okay? That one's fine. But think about the story of the Little Mermaid, Ariel. She sings the song, I wanna be where the people are. And she, she gets her dream. She gets legs and she's walking around. Remember she has the little sidekick, Flounder? What if Flounder was like, hey, I want to be where the people are. Take me with you, Ariel. And she's like, okay, buddy, you got it. And she picks him up and throws him on the land. Flounder's a fish. So he's just, bloop, 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 bloop. Flounder was not designed for the land. We think in our culture that freedom is the absence of all restrictions. That's what our culture will tell you. Don't tell me who to love. Don't tell me who to sleep with. Don't tell me what my truth is. Don't tell me what the truth is. There is no the truth. There's my truth. There's my lived experience. You're gonna hear that one a lot. The world wants to tell you that freedom is the absence of restriction. Well, flounder is restricted to the water. How, How oppressive. Flounder's just out there trying to live his truth. But it's actually in the presence of the restrictions of his design that he flourishes. When we live in accordance with the design that God has provided for us, it produces human flourishing. Friends, listen to me. God's not trying to get things from you. He's trying to get things to you to provide for you a way that will lead to his very best for your life. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. So as as we close today, my question for you is are you in here like this? Are you disconnected? from your life source. And again, this I just picked this a few minutes ago. I'm really sorry, Mr. Tree out there. It's for a good purpose. This looks very green. Looks very healthy. Looks great on the outside, right? But it's not. This is on its way towards drying up and turning to dust. And so, if you're in here today and you're like this leaf, and maybe you've never actually been reconnected to your life source, in that, you know, in the context of that analogy, may sound like, okay, what, what does that mean? Well, it's very simple. The Bible says in John 3 16, the most famous Bible verse of all times, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and whoever Believes in Him, will not perish, will not apololos, but will have everlasting life. It's belief in Jesus that Jesus Christ really did come to this earth, live a perfect life, die a death that you and I deserved, and was resurrected on the third day. It's just belief in that. And the Bible says you will be saved, you will be reconnected to your life source, you will flourish. And I'm telling you, it's true. I'm telling you. I've been living this Christian life now for 16 years. I was an absolute disaster. Came to this church, a wreck. And yes, we have ups and downs, have stressful moments, but my life is flourishing. And it's not because I'm so smart and I've got things figured out that other people don't. It's because I've been reconnected to the life source. It's of no No strength of my own. No superior anything. And so if you're in here today and you want that, I just would love it if everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes. And if you need that today, you want that today, and maybe it's for the first time, maybe it's for the thousandth time. Maybe you grew up in church and once walked with God, but you've fallen away, slipped away, whatever. But you know that God's knocking on the door of your heart, that he is seeking you. And maybe you can look back at the past few weeks, past few months, and just see a a series of events that has led you to this moment, and you know that God, that is God seeking you, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to be reconnected to your life source. And it's really simple, I'm just gonna walk you through a simple prayer, that's it. Just gonna have you repeat right after me, I'll walk you through, it'll be very, very simple. So if that's you in here, here in a second, I'm gonna to count to three and I want you to shoot your hand up so that I know who I'm praying for. And this is a moment between you and God, And I want you to lift your hand here in a second when I count to three so that you are making a stand saying, yes, God, that's me. So if that's you, whether it's for the thousandth time, first time, never done this before, whatever, you know you need to make that decision today. I want you to lift your hand up. One, two, three. I see that hand, 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 awesome. Who else? Over here on the back, I see that hand, I see that hand right there. Awesome, once I've seen it, you go ahead and put it down. Anybody else need to make that decision today before we close? Amazing, amazing. Come on, can we give a big round of applause for everybody that raised their hands? So proud of you. Can you hop to your feet really, really quick, please? So listen, there was probably, I don't know, probably seven or eight of you that raised your hand, and I want to pray with you. As I said, I would. I want to walk you through this prayer, but I want to do it personally. And so I'm actually going to ask you to do something really, really brave here in a second. I'm going to get down off of this stage, and I'm going to stand down here, and if you raised your hand, I want you to make your way out of your seat here in just one second, and walk down to meet me, and I want to shake your hand, and I'm going to walk you through this simple prayer, and not doing this to embarrass you, everybody in here is going to be shouting and clapping, making a ruckus over this decision you've made, so if you raise your hand, maybe you're standing next to somebody that raised your hand, will you offer to walk down here with them? Come on, if you raise your hand, go ahead and make your way down here, please, I want to get down off the stage and shake your hand. Come on, church, let's give a big round of applause. Everybody that lifted their hand, come on, come on, come on down. This is not where we normally have church. We have a building a couple doors down that we're undergoing a massive construction project. So we're making do. We've got TVs on the ground, whatever. But I'm just so proud of you. And I want you to know that everything's about to shift. Life's going to be a lot different. It's going to be, you're going to leave here feeling lighter, like actually physically feeling lighter. And it's because the God of the universe with infinite power is now on your side. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And that word wages is in the Greek actually means a the pay that a soldier gets from his general. And so you've actually switched sides, switched armies and are fighting the good fight. God has an assignment for you. He's got a destiny for you. I'm telling you, there's an adventure that he's going to awaken inside of you. Things you didn't even know. Listen, 10 years ago, when I first came to this church, I didn't even, if you would have said, hey, what's the craziest thing you could ever dream up for your life? Just money is no object, time, like anything. I would not have even have known that this was a thing that I could ask for. I probably would have just said something dumb like, I'd love to have a billion dollars in a big yacht or something like that. I didn't even know that God would send me on a mission, an assignment, this day in history, to be a part of the telling of the greatest story ever told. Every day I wake up feeling so honored and blessed that I get to do what we're all doing together. And that's you now. God has an assignment for you, a destiny that's going to be unlocked. Dreams are going to be resurrected. You, sir, in the blue shirt, you say your name was Jimmy? Jimmy, I really believe that there's dreams in you, things you wanted to do since you were a little kid, that you feel like for whatever, life has got you down, and you've had to kind of, you know, I guess it just wasn't in the cards. And I believe that God's actually going to awaken those dreams in you things that have been dead for years and years and years, you're gonna find all of a sudden, God's breath is going to be behind it because it's not going to be you trying it. It's not going to be you and your own strength making it happen. It's actually going to be the God of the universe behind you breathing on these things. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. As I said we would, I'm going to lead you through a very, very simple prayer. Just repeat after me. Here's the cool thing. When you have God as your father, you don't just get God as your father. You get a bunch of amazing brothers and sisters too. So everybody in here at the top of their lungs to drown you out so you don't feel like you're having to pray alone is going to pray this prayer out loud alongside of you. So come on church, everybody in the building, let's bow our heads and let's pray This prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today for sending Jesus to seek and to save me. Today I ask that you forgive me of my sins and you restore me to your family. Today I declare that heaven is my home, God is my Father. And I am His child in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
0: Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com